the four New Testament Gospels record a total of seven sayings or seven last words that Jesus speaks on the cross. These last words are words of life and our focus for the Sundays of Lent this year. And if we allow them, if we allow these words from Jesus to enter into our hearts and into our lives, they will renew and transform us. Today, we hear Jesus speak a word of hope and promise. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. As we prepare to read and to receive God's word, let us go to the Lord in prayer, seeking God's illuminating grace. Come, Spirit of God, come. Alight upon us with truth and grace and power. Burn away all that distracts us from receiving the words of life that Jesus speaks to us today and from following them wherever you lead. Amen. Our reading today continues the passion narrative from Luke's gospel. We pick up in chapter 23 at verse 32. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves, yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging there, kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can read about two criminals being crucified along with Jesus each gospel makes it clear that one of the criminals was crucified on Jesus' right and the other on his left. It's an important detail in all of the gospels. But our understanding of the events of Jesus' passion are also enriched by the different focus and even the different details that the different gospel writers offer us. For example, 
Luke's gospel is the only one that reveals the amazing conversation that we have read about today between Jesus and the criminals. Luke calls the two men who were crucified with Jesus criminals. But these two men hanging on the cross on either side of Jesus are no petty criminals. In the NRSV translation, according to Mark and Matthew, they are bandits. A different word, though, might be better, evildoers or violent robbers. These men are bad, bad to the bone. They're professional bad guys who threatened the Roman rule and their punishment was the supreme penalty, crucifixion. They are convicted of being insurrectionists and and perverting the people, and they are crucified as an example to everyone about what happens to anyone who steps out of line in the Roman Empire. Crucifixion was a public spectacle. It was a way of punishing someone in the most cruel and humiliating way possible. And it was for all to see. And because it was so public, it allowed and even encouraged those passing by to taunt and to mock those hanging on their crosses. Crucifixion was a deterrent demonstrating that the Roman Empire not only had the power to kill, but it could dehumanize anyone who dared to step out of line. At the crucifixion, at the skull, the soldiers, the priests, and the crowds played their part with gusto as they taunt and mocked and demeaned those hanging on the cross, especially, especially Jesus. Beginning in verse 35, we we read, "The, the leaders scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They offered him sour vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice over him which read, This is the king of the Jews. Jesus tells us that one of the criminals joined his voice with the voices of the crowd and the soldiers and the priest in mocking Jesus. Here, Luke, one of the criminals who were hanged there, kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Maybe this attack of insults against Jesus was a response to his own humiliation and hopelessness. In a state of ruin, he seeks some sort of cruel pleasure and satisfaction in degrading Jesus. You wouldn't know it from reading Luke's gospel, but... Matthew tells us that at first, both of the men who hung with Jesus mocked him. Both reviled him. The one criminal wasn't the only criminal insulting him. But then, but then the second criminal miraculously has a change of heart. A light comes on. His eyes are opened. He gets it. He's getting what he deserves, while Jesus is not. 
It just might be the greatest single story of, of a conversion in all of Scripture because the same mouth that was cursing Jesus just moments before now, now is defending him. What could have possibly happened to, to make such a, a dramatic change? It's astounding, really. No one ever looked less like a king than Jesus in that moment. Beaten to a pulp beyond, almost beyond recognition, Jesus' only throne is a cross. His only crown is made of thorns. He wasn't even covered in the robes of royalty. Jesus was crucified stark naked. This criminal has never seen Jesus feed thousand, change water into wine, calm the storm, see him heal the cripples or raise from the dead. He never met Jesus until that day. He never heard Jesus speak beside the sea or even tell one parable. This man was never baptized. He had never participated in the Lord's Supper, yet he knew that this suffering Savior was not just a king. He was king of kings. And in the most hopeless situation imaginable, one of the criminals being executed, nailed to a cross, found hope and found salvation. And if Jesus can bring hope to someone like him, Jesus can certainly bring hope to you also. Jesus doesn't defend himself from the verbal attacks, but the other criminal speaks up against the crucified criminal berating Jesus. Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, has done nothing wrong. What gave this criminal the idea that Jesus could save him? According to Luke, all he heard was one thing. He heard Jesus pray, Father, forgive them, for we do not, for they do not know what they are doing. One prayer. What the penitent criminal has seen was a man respond to people who are crucifying him, condemning him, and cursing him with forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The truth flashed before his eyes. I deserve to die, but Jesus, he deserves to live. I am a sinner but he is the savior. Forgiveness is exactly what I need. I wonder if what he offered them, he would offer to me. With fear and trembling, he looks into Jesus' battered and bruised and bloodied face, and he makes his request. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't say, Lord, I want to be honored when you come into your kingdom. 
Or I want to be blessed when you come into your kingdom. Or I want to be rewarded when I come into your kingdom. All he said was, remember me. All he had to offer was himself. He couldn't say, remember my good works. He didn't have any. He couldn't say, remember my worship attendance. He never attended. He couldn't say, remember my offerings, because he never gave. All he could say was, remember me. Lord, will you remember me when everyone else has forgotten me? Here I am at my own death with no friends or family. Jesus, will you remember me? Will you give me your forgiveness and a place in your kingdom? There wasn't one thing that that man had. There's not one thing that he could have done for Jesus. There wasn't one thing that he had done for Jesus. No, the only thing that was left for him was to accept what Jesus was doing for him. And that's all we can ever need, you and I, to accept what Jesus has done for us. The second criminal seemed to have gained insight into this hidden power of God in Jesus Christ. And he gives himself into the hands of Jesus, who seems to have no power to even save himself, much less someone else. Now think about that. He gave himself to the beaten, bloodied, naked man who was about to become a corpse himself. But he confessed him as king. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. At the center of these words of the criminal is the idea that Jesus has the power to save. Remember me. Remember me means help, deliver, save me. In the Hebrew scriptures, God remembers Noah and is saved through the ark. God remembers Abraham and remembers and rescues his, uh, Abraham's family member Lot. God remembers Rachel and she bore a son after being childless so, for so very many, many, many years. He remembers the Israelites in Egypt and he delivers them from captivity. The great paradox in Jesus' power to save is precisely in his powerlessness. His real power is in the power of of the word. The criminal repents. He acknowledges that he has done wrong and he deserves punishment for it. He does not blame others for what is happening to him, but he also admits that, that Jesus is not getting what he deserves. And he looks for rescue. He turns to Jesus for mercy he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
in his most hopeless hour, this criminal seeks mercy and salvation. And in Jesus, he finds it. What a hallelujah moment that is. This dying man looks at Jesus and he saw a king. The scribes and the Pharisees and the Roman soldiers mocked Jesus as a pretender. But this criminal recognizes true kingship in the one who hung beside him on the cross. During Jesus' trial and during his crucifixion, it was very rare for Jesus to respond to others who asked him to speak. He spoke very little to Pontius Pilate. He didn't say a word to Herod. He did not respond to the taunts of his enemies. But now, now Jesus speaks. Now Jesus offers grace. He answers the repentant criminal with a promise of hope. He says, truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise. This is Jesus' second statement from the cross. The second of his last words. We are hearing last words of a king who promises a different kind of kingdom. They are words of hope for the hopeless. He says truly, that is, it is certain there's no doubt about it, no question about it. Today, that is not in some distant future, but soon in ours. You will, not might be or maybe, you will be with me in paradise. That is the perfect kingdom, the restored Eden. Jesus' words here are words of promise. He announces to the repentant criminal that in his death he himself will enter paradise. But he also promises the criminal that he will accompany him into this, this kingdom. You will be with me, Jesus announces. The repentant criminal's death would also become a way of a glorious, of a way to a glorious kingdom, to paradise itself. What a dramatic transformation is wrought by these words of, of Jesus Christ. This man from utter hopelessness is brought to perfect hope. His future moves from the prospect of perishing to the promise of paradise. And it's all because of the promise of Jesus. A word. Truly I tell you. Today you will be with me. In paradise. There is perhaps no better example of. In all of scripture of God's saving act by grace alone. The man deserved. Condemnation. But he received the promise. He received paradise. And so can we receive this, this gift. But only, only by the cross of Jesus. By grace and grace alone. 
We too are evildoers. We too are under the same sentence of condemnation, the sentence of death because the wages of sin are death. We too by ourselves are without hope. Like the criminal, we cannot save ourselves. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has come for sinners like me and you. As the prophet Isaiah foretold, he was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many. Jesus identifies with sinners like us on the cross, and there he intercedes on our behalf. And through our repentant faith, we become linked to, to Christ, both in his death and in his life, we too may receive the promise, today you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. Thank you, gracious Father, for the amazing gift of salvation that is given to all who trust in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for Jesus' last words of grace and the way you have reopened to us the paradise of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Open our hearts to receive them and to live in the promise of Christ through whom our sins, past, present, and future have all been forgiven simply because we trust in the name of Lord Jesus. It is in his holy name we pray. Amen.